Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're in Bacalar, Mexico with my good friend Katrina Julia of FitLifeCreation.com. She's a global traveler that loves to experience new cities and far-off places. Katrina spent two weeks in Bacalar for a sponsored trip and loved the slower pace of life, beauty of the lagoon, and the friendliness of the people. In this episode, Katrina and I talk about paddleboarding in Bacalar Lagoon, exploring the Pirates Channel, and swimming in Cenote Negro. You brought these three amazing experiences and so much more. The show notes will be available at wetravelthere.com forward slash Bacalar. Now let's get started. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. Using airline miles and hotel points makes travel affordable, but keeping track of all those loyalty programs can be a challenge. That's why I use AwardWall to track my miles and points balances, reservations, and special goodies like free hotel night certificates and airline companion passes. Having everything in one easy-to-use dashboard helps ensure that I don't lose any rewards and makes logging into my accounts super easy. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash AwardWallet to start your free account. Hey, Katrina, welcome to the show. Hey, Lee, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be back on. Yeah, no, we've had amazing episodes from you before for Antigua, Guatemala, and Tulum, Mexico. Katrina's traveling the world, and we got to figure out where you are today. So the city we're talking about today is Bacalar, uh, Mexico, and I'm sure I totally trashed the sound of that name, and you're going to be able to pronounce it way better than I can. No, you did not, Lee. And actually, it depends because you said, where in the world are you now? Technically, I'm in Panama right now, but we're talking about Bacalar, Mexico. Right on. So what was your connection? What what actually brought you to Bacalar? So Bacalar, I had heard about for years from different travelers that ended up going to Bacalar. And it really, really appealed to me because, you know, although, like, you know, I talked about on my previous episodes, I spent over three months in Tulum. I really felt drawn to Bacalar because of its, you know, more rustic, smaller, off the beaten path appeal and not having as many tourists coming to it. Plus the fact, you know, of the seven colors lagoon. Oh, nice. And so uh, personally, I, I honestly had never heard of Bacalar. But when you told me about it, I looked it up. I'm like, oh my God, this place looks amazing. And so for people that aren't familiar with where where it is, can you tell us like where in Mexico Bacalar is? Absolutely. So if you, the easiest way to get to Bacalar is you fly into Cancun and it's actually really, really close to two spots. I'll mention Tulum. It's about two to three hours south of Tulum. And it's also about a couple hours from the border with Belize. And it's absolutely breathtaking, full sunrises, sunsets, you know, lots of amazing things to do, beautiful views, beautiful water sport activities. And uh, the lagoon is incredible because many people, of course, in Tulum have experienced, you know, seaweed and different problems with might typically have in the Yucatan with the ocean. But this is a lagoon, so you don't run into those same problems. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. And I know like, if somebody's planning maybe they have like a really long vacation or maybe they can go on sabbatical or something like that, or they're just retired. Maybe they fly into Cancun and just kind of go down the entire coast there. Cause not only obviously Cancun and Tulum, those are both beautiful places. And as we're going to talk about Bacalar, that's amazing as well. And then you can just keep going down into Belize because Belize is pretty fantastic as well. 
Exactly. And then you can keep going down to Belize. Um, I had definitely thought about that. And or then you can go to Honduras, which I also went to. So there's definitely lots of options to keep going. And then also within Mexico, as far as, you know, you might want to go north first to places like Isla Holbox, which I've spent, you know, time in, or go to Valladolid to experience, you know, colonial Mexico and or go see one of the seven new wonders of the world like I did uh, Chichen Itza and or just go south and go straight down. So it's definitely lots of options. And yes, I'm definitely doing the digital nomad life now. Although like <laughs> we were talking about before the show, I will be back in Atlanta with that as my base, uh, likely in May-ish of this year. Oh, that's fantastic. So, okay. So you mentioned flying into Cancun and then you said that Bacalar is actually about two hours south of Tulum. So, and Tulum is about an hour-ish, maybe or maybe a little bit longer than uh, than that south of Cancun. To get down to Bacalar, how how would you do that? Do you rent a car? Like, is there like a shuttle? How do you get down there from the airport? Great question. So it really depends on you and your preferences. So for me, I prefer to delegate driving when I'm traveling the world <laughs> or delegate boating or depending on where I am. And so for me, you know, many travelers that I've also followed, you know, throughout the years, sometimes they rent cars. I know I read different articles from like Nomadic Matt and several other people, but for me, I chose to keep it simple and do an ADO bus or ADO, how they say, you know, in Spanish, it's A-D-O bus. And you can take a bus directly to Tulum and then you can switch to Bacalar, although the ones to Bacalar are not as frequent. Like, the, for example, the buses from the Cancun airport to Playa del Carmen are very frequent. So depending, you may want to look on their website and take a bus to Playa del Carmen and then from Playa del Carmen, take a bus to Tulum and or to Bacalar. But depending on the timing, when you fly in, the logistics, da, 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 what you want to see, you may want to take a bus, you know, to Tulum and then stay in Tulum, you know, whether it's a day, a week, you know, and definitely check out my episode on Tulum with Lee on that. And then you could take a bus, you know, the next day, the next week, the next month, whatever, or three months later, like I did, <laughs> and go to <laughs> and stay a couple weeks. And I also actually had a press trip and a brand project in Bacalar as well. Because I think in the U.S., you think about like a bus, like a, like a long drive and stuff like that. And like, okay, yeah, it, it may take a long time and everything like that. But you have to remember when you're in a, in a foreign country, the... That those type of distances and that type of ride is not going to be the same thing. So it, I think it'd be good to break it up by stopping in Tulum, maybe overnight or maybe a couple of days, and then heading on and continuing on down, down to Bacalar. I think that kind of break it up would be a good idea. A hundred percent. And to your point, Lee, you know, it's, I've, you know, toyed and played with like, should I drive? Should I not drive? You know, in every destination, I kind of asked that question. And now with like Uber being so prevalent, so easy and not just that, but in different countries, like sometimes there isn't an Uber. Sometimes there's not a great signal. Sometimes there's not great road signs. And then sometimes, you know, obviously, you know, I'm a risk taker, but right now, you know, I'm typically a single female traveling. So on one side of me, it's like, oh, that's super adventurous. But then on another side, it's like, eh, do I really want to deal with that? Or what if the GPS goes up? I kind of suck at reading maps, you know, all those things. <laughs> That's for sure. So, okay. So while you were there, obviously, you know, we're near the equator. So the weather is going to be pretty consistent throughout the year, I would imagine. Is there any fluctuations in weather or is there any like maybe hurricane season we need to watch out for when we're planning our trip to Bacalar? I really 
really didn't see that or experience that. And I was there like July, August, you know, maybe I think, you know, with where it is, like definitely check that out depending on when you're visiting because that may impact some of the travel. But at the same time, you know, when I was there, I think, you know, there was like light-ish tropical rain like once or twice. I remember I was at Cenote Cocalitos and that started. But again, first world problem, you get under the awning, you know, oh my God, I'm crying. It's a little bit of rain, you know, in the Cenote. I mean, let's keep things in perspective. And then you just get back in. But, you know, I and I was there about two weeks. But to your point, it's pretty consistent, pretty stable, a little bit of light rain. At least that was definitely the case in July, August. But again, to your point, even though it is a lagoon and you're not worrying about seaweed or different things, definitely check out what is happening with the weather, depending on when you're planning on going. For sure. And just for people that aren't familiar, like a cenote is essentially like a, like a big natural pool. So even if it is raining, guess what? You're already wet anyways. So it's not that big of a deal. And to Lee's point, we also talk about this a lot more in the Tulum episode, and we will sum on this because there's a couple of cenotes I'm talking about. It's some of them are sunken holes to where you're completely underground anyway, so you could care less if it's raining above you. Like there was a couple I went to in Tulum that you can listen in on. And then some are partially covered, uncovered, and then some are fully open. In this case, these were both fully open, the ones in Bacalar. But again, you're wet anyway, or if there's not lightning, you really don't care. Sure, sure. As far as in Bacalar, are there any sort of like festivals or like concerts or anything like that that maybe somebody wants to plan their trip around and, and be able to attend those things? Mm, it's not a similar type of vibe or environment like a lot of, say, the beach, you know, vibes or the beach festivals in Tulum. Not that I've heard of, and maybe there was before the pandemic, but um, at least as far as I've seen or heard, even when I was doing my research while I was there, there wasn't, um, you know, any, and there wasn't any historically that I had heard of, like some of the ones in Tulum. So again, it's a very different, more, more rustic. There was a Times article before the pandemic that, you know, they were saying is, you know, is Bacalar the next Tulum? Because, you know, it's got all the, you know, all the things, the water, the environment, the vibes. But, you know, a lot of people were like saying, oh, yay, I hope so. And then a lot of people were like, God, I hope not, because a lot of what happened with the pricing in Tulum, like the pricing in Bacalar is way less expensive for everything, you know. So I don't know, not that I've seen and not that ever came across. So Okay. And then uh, I know like your, your situation was a little bit different because you had the, the press trip and, and some of those other things. But as far as like while you're there, how big is the city and is it something that you can easily walk around or do you need to take taxis to get around? Like how, how actually big is the city? So the city is relatively small. It's definitely like, it's definitely smaller than say like a Tulum. And if you're staying, for example, in town, like by the fort or by what's considered like the center of town where the plaza is, or like I talked about some of my favorite restaurants like Mango and Chile, like in that area of town, then you can easily walk around. For example, you can easily walk to any number of piers. You can easily walk up to the stand-up paddle boarding that I talked about. You could walk down to the cenote. You wouldn't walk to Bacalar Rapids, but you could easily take a taxi from the Adeo bus station in the center. It's definitely something you can easily do, you know, for a couple dollars. I think I took, yeah, it was a taxi for $2, like 50 pesos, and then, you know, paid the entrance there and then took a taxi back. So super easy to catch like anywhere. And then um, I did take a taxi one of the times I went to Cenote Cocalitos when I was staying. because I. So what happened was, is I had a press trip and I stayed in the center of town. 
Then I stayed in an Airbnb with private access to a lagoon, but it was maybe three, four miles, maybe, no, two miles out of town. And my plan was to use the bike the whole time. But then the first time I tried the bike, they had a flat tire. So there's a couple of <laughs> times I took a taxi and then I moved in the center of town and I walked the entire time. So if you're in the center, like where the Bacalar sign is, where the fortress is, where I talk about like the sunrise, what we'll talk about with the sunrise stand up paddle boarding is, you can definitely walk. But if you stay in some of the hotels or the private lagoon areas, then you may take, you know, need to take a taxi a couple of times or bike, you know, here and there. Or if you stay in center, like downtown center, also super easy to walk, especially if you love to walk like I do. Whereas, you know, Tulum, I biked a ton. But then some places are really far from each other, but then you also always have colectivos. So it really depends on like your style of travel per se and what you prefer. That's good to know. Personally, I'd love to walk around anyways. And, and that's the way I would, I think you get to enjoy more of the city that way. Now, as far as, far as like hotels, like I'm, I'm a big miles and points junkie. You know, I, I use miles and points everywhere I can because it is such a smaller town. Is it mainly like more like boutique type of hotels and like mom and pops and, and Airbnbs? Or are there any like major brands like a Marriott or Hilton or anything like that that we'd find? So great question. They do have some super nice boutique hotels. As far as like, I you know went back to like refresh my memory. They have like luxury cabanas or one of the like chains they have in that area is like Hotel Urban Bacalar by Mish, which is, you know, chain, but I don't recall and I'm going back right now just to see, I don't recall seeing like any Hilton or Hilton brand. Like they have a Rancho Encantado. They have Bacalar Lagoon. The Yak Lake House is really, really well known. That's where I stayed, took like the stand-up paddle boarding and the, the sunrise. And another really known hotel is Hotel Makaba. Yeah, no, like I'm not seeing any Hiltons or any Marriott's because I, I, right when you said that, I was like, I don't remember any, but I went back to TripAdvisor just to see in case I missed any and no, none. So if you're like me and like, like to use miles and points, like flexible points, they allow you to kind of book anywhere is definitely the way to go because your Hilton points, Marriott points, et cetera, aren't, gonna, aren't really going to help you in Bacalar. It depends because, you know, as far as points are concerned, yes, but, you know, maybe the points will work for something like booking or something else.com. And then, of course, Airbnb. Andrew, you can leverage, you know, your press and, you know, look for press trips that are, you know, either 100% hosted and or they have a budget as well, which is what I did for part of my trip. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. So you've, you mentioned a couple of different things as we were talking about there, as far as like different attractions. One of them was like the fortress or the fort. Yes. So one of them is like the Bacalar sign that you'll find like right along the coast or uh, looking over the lagoon. And then you'll also see the Cenote Cocalitos, which has, okay, and I mean to make sure I pronounce this correctly, stromatolites. They are groupings of cells and colonies that create large sedentary rocks, and they look super beautiful. You can see them in the images of my top 10, and they appeared between 2,500 to 1,000 million years ago. And they are living, breathing, like, I don't know about breathing, but I know they're living things. And they, they say, like, don't touch, sit, or stand on them. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's kind of like, a, I've, I've done a lot of, like, cave tours. And you, you can't touch the slagmites and the slagtites because it, it'll kill them. Yes. And these are stromatolites. That's why I had to go back and look at the spelling because I remember <laughs> they were not stalagmites or stalactites. Yeah. They're stromatolites and they're beautiful. And actually, shout out to Getting Stamped because one of a lot of the blogs and articles I found on Bacalar was were also from Getting Stamped. Oh, nice. 
Okay, so we talk about the bacalar sign doing that with the the stromatolites, the cocalitos. Cenote cocalitos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I got a really cool picture of you there with like you guys uh, on the swings out there. Yes. That's so awesome. <laughs> and you mentioned uh, there's a fort. Uh, what is the what is the fort? So the fort is San Felipe. And it is known as, you know, the San Felipe Castle. And it's literally in the center of Bacalar. And that's where the Bacalar sign is. And the construction began back in 1725. And it also gives you like one of the best, beautiful, you know, sunset views of the lagoon. Actually, some of the best sunrise views, because now I'm thinking when I was there for sunrise. But also you'll see glimpses of sunset from there as well. And there's usually vendors and different things there too. And I want to make sure, I know you probably have a question, but I don't want to forget and I don't want to miss talking about the Bacalar Rapids. So keep that thought in your mind. For sure. Now, before we get to the rapids, there's also, you talked about in the lagoon and the, the Santa paddleboarding. Can you tell us a little about that? And obviously, like you mentioned, being there at sunrise is like super like fun to do, right? So a couple of things, um, even going to the pier, there's a public pier, there's several public piers you can go to. When I was there, I went 90% of the time in the mornings for sunrise because the view and just the peace and the serenity of the lagoon is amazing. And then stand-up paddleboarding at sunrise is incredible. That's one of the things that I ended up being hosted by with What's Up Bacalar. You basically, you know, go out a little bit before sunrise. You paddle out from the center of town, actually from Yawk House, to Cenote Negro, and then through the Pirates Channel. And it's incredible. Like all the aerial shots and drone shots that you've seen, you know, likely or you can see of the Pirates Channel is amazing. And you saw the sunrise shot likely. I mean, it's indescribably beautiful. That's so awesome. What is the Pirates Channel that you just mentioned? So the Pirates Channel is actually where live pirates used to go like years ago, historically. And now it's pretty much, you know, a tourist destination, so to speak. But it's maybe about 10, you know, as far as like going by boat or whatnot, about 10, 15 minutes that you're going out as far as out on the lagoon. You see like all the different colors of the lagoon there. That's one of the most like beautiful places that you, that you see it. The colors, the shading, it's also, as far as historically, during the colony, it was called the Canal de Salamanca, or Channel of Salamanca, and it was a connection between Europe and South America, actually, and some famous pirates, and this is also in my post on sailing, you know, sailing away when I did the sunset experience, because I was doing some research then, with like Henry Morgan and then Francis Drake, which is likely a more common name that more people have heard because they took advantage of this commercial location and they used it to exploit the wealth of wood for repairing their boats and new ship construction. And actually, they had started to build a tourist restaurant and part of that restaurant is still out there now. So you can see it when you go out there. The government and just the national park aspects ended up halting the construction, but parts of that is still there now. Wow. It's it's such an amazing thing. I mean, obviously during school, because my kids are in school and they're learning about all this type of stuff right now. Sir Francis Drake, obviously you you know that name and everything like that. And it's so interesting that you can actually go visit a place that he actually went to. No, it'd be super cool. His name comes up a lot, like through Central America and South America. It just came up with some research I was doing in Colombia as well. So no, it keeps coming up. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Now we talked about Bacalar Rapids or we mentioned it. What is that? And and What's so special about it? 
So Bacalar Rapids, actually that I will shout out adventurous Kate. I learned about her, connected with her through an amazing community called She's Wonderful. She just talked about one of her articles, like how fun it is because it's from the center of town. And like, if you only have a day in Bacalar, her and several others were recommending, you know, of course, go on the lagoon, of course, go sailing and then do the rapids. Like that's the two things that you need to make sure and do because it's not like it's not in the center, first of all. And you can see like on some of the pictures and images and things, you know, that I shared with you and that are also on, you know, my own links, the color of the water is even more amazing. Like it's even more clear, blue, green, especially depending on what side or where you are in the lagoon. It's literally rapid. So like you can walk down the rapids that almost to the center of another cenote and then you just float down the rapids. Like it's literally <laughs> rapid. But they're not rapids like class four, or class five or class six. It's probably like a class one, but it's just like, it's a dream. It's like you could easily like, you know, put your kids in it and they would go down and super save like nothing, you know, as long as they can swim, obviously. But it's super, super fun. It's almost like the like rock slides that you see someplace, right? Like the kind uh, of- yeah, maybe. Kind of like a low key where it's not like you say you're not going to drown there, you know, but it's like you just kind of going with the flow of the water and, and cruising around. That sounds like a lot of fun. Well, one thing I don't want to miss before we run out of time is talking about a little bit of the food while we we're there. Because I know obviously when you visit some of these towns, like you said, they're a little bit more rustic, a little bit like less touristy and stuff like that. You're going to get some of the best food you're going to get in all of Mexico. So where what are a couple of like your favorite places that people should hit while they're there? Oh, wow. Yeah. Bacalar definitely has that. So one of the things is on, you definitely want to walk on 22nd street and there's an adorable place called El Manati. And I ate in a freaking teepee in the middle of a garden. So that's a whole thing that you definitely want to add. And I ended up finding it actually by chance. Then the press trip and brand project I did was with Pika Floor. They are actually uh, along the lagoon, but a little bit in the opposite direction from center of town. And they have incredible avocado toast that I love. And also some typical chilaquiles, which are a very typical Mexican dish. Then you have, I mentioned earlier, mango and chile, which is literally right next to the fort. So the views from there are amazing. And then also Bacalar Cafe. And I know you want to talk about pizza. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll get to that in a minute. I always got to have my pizza whenever we go. We've heard all these amazing tips, but now it's time for the final countdown. If somebody only had time for one meal when they visited Bacalar, where should they go and what should they eat? Oh, that's a hard one. Oh, my goodness. I would probably say mango and chile because the, the tacos there are amazing. And or just any taco stand that's in the center of town and their fresh fruit juices. Oh, my God. I would drink the dragon fruit, the pink one, fresh fruit juice, like a whole liter, like there was no tomorrow. <laughs> that's awesome. Now, as far as like the tacos there at Mango y Chile, what were your favorite type of tacos? Oh, wow. They actually had vegan incredible tacos there. I had their turmeric latte. Actually, at Mango and Chile, they had an incredible three taco combo that I would get with uh, tofu and our falafel and our maya, which you probably don't expect as your typical favorite tacos or favorite taco place in Mexico. But that was definitely one of them. And then there was a hole in the wall that you would literally get uh, the most incredible tacos I've ever probably tried in any city in Mexico. 
they were uh, quote unquote originally called Mr. Taco, <laughs> and that was where I would drink the uh, my favorite pitaya juice. And they also had like mushroom tacos, all kinds of things. Oh, that sounds amazing! I know my wife would absolutely love that. No, I know you're in Bacalar for a little while, and I'm sure while you were there, you created some amazing memories. What was your most memorable? I would say, you know, honestly, the time I had on the press trip and the digital marketing project, and working together, especially with Jennifer, we had so many laughs off of random, not random things, and she was such a great surprise because I didn't even know that I was going to be also. You know, there the same time as someone else, and she had already been there a couple weeks from Germany. You know how sometimes you just hit it off with somebody like really, really well, and we would just like randomly laugh. And then, of course, you saw we went to the Cenotes together. We actually did the sunrise sailing together. We did the stand-up paddleboarding together. It was it was such a great story and testimony to how you can meet incredible people and become fast friends. You know, traveling the world. Yeah, that's one of the things I love most about traveling. So, speaking of happy times, where's the happiest happy hour in, in Bacalar? My happiest happy hour, and as you know, I don't drink. Would either be Mr. Taco or El Manati. But when I look at different places for happy hours within Bacalar, you know, for anybody else that is curious and your listeners, our friends, ironically, Mr. TripAdvisor, say La Catrina Bacalar. Hey, it's like named. It's named after you. How awesome is that? Exactly, and I know I'm not making that up. That's literally the name of the place, La Catrina Bacalar. <laughs> the funny thing is that you don't drink, and it's like the, the best, the best bar. I'm sure they have juices. Don't worry. <laughs> no, whenever I travel, I always eat, check out the local pizza. What's the best place for pepperoni pizza in, in Bacalar? Yes, I have you covered. I only typically do vegan pizza, and you would laugh like crazy, Lee, because. The project and digital marketing press trip that I'm doing here at Misty Moonlight Villa, the gentleman is actually half Italian. He's like, "Yeah, if you don't do pizza with cheese and everything, that's just not real pizza." So <laughs> I thought you when I was prepping for the show. So, I like him already. I like him already. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you and him would get along famously. The place in Bacalar, Mexico, is Pizzeria Bertia that ha- is rated the highest by far with over 800 four and five star reviews. Oh, awesome. I'm definitely going to have to check that out. Now, uh, obviously you travel all over the world. You're living that digital nomad life. I'm sure you have some amazing tips. So what's your best travel tip? So my best travel tip would be simplify how you pack. So for example, when I was traveling all year last year, I traveled with my backpack and then I also had a bigger suitcase, you know, 30, 40 pound suitcase, you know, which by many people's standards and my standard at the time was still a miracle that, you know, you pack your whole life in those two items. But when I came back to Atlanta, just in general, as the year went by, I kept simplifying or I kept downsizing to specific item colors. And then anytime I would buy something, I would make sure I gave or donated, you know, one to two to three items. And actually now I'm traveling with a suitcase that is your typical carry-on. So now I travel 100% with a carry-on and you, A, have less to carry, B, you save money on tickets because a lot of tickets, especially when you're traveling, you know, within Central America, South America, you know, on airlines and, and, you know, more and more in the States as well. And, you know, unless you're traveling on an international flight, you save money on luggage because you're not checking in luggage. Yeah, and and a lot of those airlines that are like, whether it's a, ultra low cost carrier or like especially in Europe or in, in some of the other countries, the standard carry on that you have in the US is not what they allow on the, an airplane. 
and they will hit you with like massive fees if you try to check it at the last minute like that. So what you are traveling with is like such a small thing. It's almost like a backpack for us. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> all right. On. Well, Katrina, I really appreciate you coming on the show again. I love being able to talk to you and learn about all these different cool places you've been to. Can you tell the audience a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Absolutely. So I am Katrina Julia. I am a multi-passionate entrepreneur, athlete, speaker, and globetrotter, and currently a digital nomad, although that's going to change. And I love to help people create and scale a life and business they love with freedom. That's fantastic. So if somebody wants to learn more about wherever you are in the world next, learn more about Bacalar or learn just more about your business, what's the best way for them to reach you on social media? Absolutely. So they can find me on all the things at fitlifecreation.com and or if they want to connect specifically on Instagram or any channels, it's Katrina Julia or Katrina Julia Fit. We'll definitely include links to all that in the show notes. And again, great talking to you and we look forward to seeing you when we travel there. Thank you so much, Lee. Thanks for having me. What an awesome conversation with Katrina. I love how she's able to travel to all these amazing cities around the world. It's definitely inspiring and I'm a bit jealous. You can find all the links we talked about today at wetravelthere.com forward slash buckle up. We want to say thank you to Award Wallet for being today's affiliate partner. It's my favorite way to track airline miles, hotel points, and other loyalty programs. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash award wallet to start your free account today. Join us next time as we visit Hershey, Pennsylvania to speak with my new friend Elliot Shibley of the Traveler's Blueprint Podcast. In this episode, Elliot and I talk about riding roller coasters at Hershey World, exploring the Indian Echo Caverns, and seeing the animals at Zoo America. Go to join us when we travel there. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please share it with your friends and tell them what you like most. Make sure you follow us on your favorite podcast app. That way you don't miss any of our upcoming destinations. 